Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Erica Tucci. She is the author of Radiant Survivor. How to Shine and Thrive Through Recovery from Stroke, Cancer, Abuse, and Other Life-Altering Experiences. Awesome story behind Erica's book, and we will talk about the book and all the things that it can help many of us struggling with. But before we do that, welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you for inviting me. Very excited to have you on today and to share part of your story and as I said, we want to talk about the book. I know there's some great things in there that you've shared, and you really approached it from being very honest about what you've experienced and what you've learned and sharing a lot of great tips. Can you tell the listeners, though, some of your background and history before you got to the point of becoming a survivor and having to go through the process that you did to be where you're at today? Well, I come from an artsy-fartsy family, so when I was younger, I was a dancer, a ballet dancer, and I was a pianist, and I also did taekwondo, and I got my black belt, you know, and my older, I mean, I was 40 when I got my black belt, um, and then I, I'm a, I've been in corporate, or was in corporate um, for, gosh, 20-some-odd years, and um, I, I, I was... I, um, right before my stroke, I was working. I was a corporate manager at one of the Fortune 500 companies. And one day, in the middle of my, um, I was get, I got up, to get, get ready to go to work, and I was standing in my living room, just waiting with uh, my purse on my shoulder on my left side, and I just collapsed. I was just, I was getting ready for work, and I just collapsed. I had no signs, no, no indications, no signals or anything of anything being wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I kept trying to get up, and I kept trying and trying and trying, and I couldn't do it. And that was, you know, a crazy day. I mean, really crazy. But I was working, not only was I doing a corporate job as a manager, but I also had a healing arts business that I was starting because um, I'm a Reiki master and a massage therapist and a life coach for women and an author. At the time, I had three books. And, you know, then that day, that illustrious day, June 10th, 2011, I had my stroke. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just brought me to my knees. Mm-hmm. I can and imagine. Let's talk a little bit before we talk about the stroke and what endured after that. Can you look back on your story and see some of the life lessons and even perhaps as far back as growing up that helped you to develop the character you have to have dealt with such a traumatic event and change in your life? Yes, I actually can. I almost died in my, my own birth. My mom and I almost died, you know, even when I was born because her doctor was kind of a quack, and she was hemorrhaging like crazy, and mm. he didn't realize that she had a condition that um, wouldn't allow me to get through. And she had placenta premia, premia, whatever it was, of so the placenta, closes off the, the canal so uh-huh. the baby can't come through. Mm-hmm. And so she had to have a C-section, but the doctor didn't really realize that at the time. And um, I had already had a bowel movement in the, in the in utero, and we almost died. So I kind of I was born. 
being a survivor. Right. You know? Right. So that, yeah. So I, I guess I've always, my whole life, I've always been one to really work and persevere at everything. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of carried through with everything in my life. I think that, well, part of my story, you know, if you read my book, is that I was very masculine-oriented. I always had to control things in my life. And I think that's part of that, that warrior kind of, you know, survivor-type mode about having to control things so that nothing else would happen, you know, nothing bad would happen right. in my life. Mm-hmm. And so the big thing, though, about me, my stroke was, it, it made me realize that I had to move, I had to shift from that kind of mentality into a more passive, more submissive, more feminine mentality about being more nurturing, more loving, um, serving others. And that's what I'm finding out now. And that, that's really the basis of my story. That's part of the reason why I had my stroke. That's mm-hmm. what I feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's some great insight. And I have to agree with you that sometimes especially based on our past and what we've had to struggle through or what we've overcome, we can really latch on to that control thing and trying to control all kinds of things that really aren't in our control. And sometimes it is indeed a wake-up call that changes that for us and helps us to grow out of that, as I'm sure you're aware of that process. It's a growing process. Yes, very much so. That's a big thing about the stroke. Was it was a, It's a big process. There's a whole process that you go through. And what I've had to do, the big, big thing that I'm going through right now, because I'm on the last leg of my my recovery, Mm -hmm. but it's the hardest part of my recovery. Going from that mindset of control, the need to, you know, being more ego-based, needing to have that power, it's more of a, it's more focused on the outer reality, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, what's in it for me. How are people going to see me? You know, all these different things about your outer reality. And going from that to really, really delving deep into your own inner inner divinity and, you know, seeing what's, what's in there, living, living life moment to moment instead of looking so much at, you know, look, always having goals. And stuff. that's not bad to have goals, but to really just always look at the future and not really, really thinking about who you are right now what's inside of you right this minute and having that min- that mindset of also serving others, being more nurturing, like I said before, being more feminine. That's the whole thing about my, my, my stroke. It's caused me to see in me. It's about surrendering completely mm-hmm. because, because we don't have that control, complete control. We are co-creators with God, with spirit, however you define that, you know, the higher power. We're co-creators. And you've got to do your part in life. But then you have to turn it over to God and say, okay, I know that you helped, you, you created my body. Now I want you to help me heal my body. Mm-hmm. My, my massage therapist has a wonderful plaque above his massage table. And it says, the power that created the body can heal the body. And that's so true. Mm. And that's what I'm going through right now. It's total surrender. I mean, what happened to me recently, well, it's been months, but I'll tell you a little bit about it, is that. I've had to go from me controlling and me doing, you know, lots and lots of physical therapy and doing all this stuff to help improve myself to completely surrendering to the, the higher power, not doing anything. And when I don't know what I'm supposed to do, because I'm, I'm always wanting to do, 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 because that's my old mentality, mm-hmm. I just sit down and just do nothing. 
I mean, absolutely nothing and know that, that God is going to take care of me, it's going to actually help me heal my body, that mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to control it anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That definitely makes sense. And I think that's somewhere that a lot of people get to. As you said, it's it's the end part, if you will, of the evolving and the healing and really, really learning to release that last part of control or what you think you can control. And that is very powerful. And, and I would love for you to share more about that in just a minute. One thing I want to ask you, what are some of the feelings that you had initially when you had the stroke, how did you deal with that huge change and trauma in your life? What were some of the things, if you can share with the listeners, that helped you to get through those initial few days, few weeks? You know, it's funny because I know that people think, oh my gosh, I've had, you know, when people actually have problems, it's like it's happened to them. Their, their reaction is going to be, oh my God, my life has changed so much. But I have such a belief about karma and that things happen for a reason and that you actually you actually create the situations in your life. And um, because I believe that way, I wasn't so concerned about having a stroke and how it was going to change my life. In fact, the hospital and then the three, three weeks when I was in rehab, the, the inpatient rehab, I was, you know, I was just going along with the flow. You know, the nurses would wake me up at all god-awful hours in the night to give, take blood every night, and the doctors would, you know, come in and check on me. And then, you know, I would, I would get in my wheelchair. I'd have, you know, I'd always have to, have to call the nurse to go to the restroom or do anything because I was, you know, wheelchair-bound. My right side was paralyzed completely. And so I would just get in my wheelchair, and I'd go rolling around the hallways and talking to the nurses, and I would talk to the other people and, you know, other patients and everything. And I would just do, I'd go to my rehab and everything. But it was like, I, I don't know, I don't want to say that I was in denial, because I don't think I was. And I know that's like the first phase of kind of um, going, the, of the process when you have something like this happen to you. It's denial. But I, I feel like it's because my attitude towards what was going on was more about, okay, what, uh, this happened to me for a reason. So what was it that I'm learning from this? What mm-hmm. is it that I'm going to take out of, you know, take away with this whole experience? Right. Now, and it's not, there's not times that I, I can't say that I didn't have times of anxiety and everything. I had a time when I was, I was, I wanted to commit suicide. There was mm-hmm. a time um, in 2012, last year in, in September, I think, or about a month, that I had the most horrendous anxieties and everything. You know, not just panic attacks. This was an anxiety disorder. And I was, every morning I'd wake up, just, oh, my gosh, what's going on, you know? And I started feeling suicidal. But, you know, it's not to say that I didn't have that, you know, but, but overall, my attitude about this whole thing, I feel like I've tried very hard to keep myself uplifted and, and encouraged that there's a reason for this. I'm learning stuff from this. And, you know, and um, that's what I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to share with the world is that, you know, you can have these kind of circumstances happen to you, but your life is not over. That's you're, right. You know, you're just, yeah, your life is just not over. It's just different. That's right. Absolutely. And I love that you're saying that because so many people need to hear that, especially today with the, the many things going on in the world and in our lives and personally. I do want to talk about, though, what are the things you did specifically to deal with those feelings of hopelessness, despair, feeling suicidal, what can you share with the listeners who may be feeling that way right now about their own situation? 
I meditate. I do a lot of meditation. To me, it's all about, instead of focusing, in fact, I'm reading Joel Osteen's book right now called Breakout. It's a, it's a wonderful book. It really is. If everybody knows who Joel Osteen is, he's a, you know, he's a senior minister of the Lakewood Church here in Houston, and he's renowned. I mean, he's a renowned minister. And he, it's, the book is fabulous. And what he talks about, and this is what I believe, and this is what I was going through, with, you know, trying to deal with my stuff, was that you don't focus on your, your, your circumstance. You focus on what God can help you do to get through. You focus on your faith, and, and you focus on yourself, knowing that even though you don't have, even though you're in this circumstance, if you don't have, you know, if you're in this circumstance, that's okay. You just believe in yourself that you can get through it and know that you've got that pillar of strength behind you, spirit, God, whatever you want to call that higher power, behind you, helping guide you the whole way. And that's how, that's what I did. I would meditate and I would focus strictly on that and just completely surrender. That's what's getting, that's what's getting me through because I'm not fully recovered right now. My body is still very stiff, my right side, but I know that with, through my continual work, and, you know, strength and everything and perseverance that I am going to get through. I'm going to fully recover because I, because I just believe in it. That's a big thing. You have to believe in yourself and you have to believe that you have that the pillar of strength behind you helping you, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's a higher power. Absolutely. And, and I agree with what you're saying. I've been through some things myself that have proven that to me. And sometimes we need to go through it ourselves as individuals to really believe that that can happen for us. And I do also believe that it's very much he, the healing process, whether mentally, physically, or spiritually, is very much about our thought processes and what we choose to believe and what we tell ourselves every day. And it's a choice. So you have obviously made the choice to overcome the situation that you were faced with a few years ago and you're dealing with it and that's powerful. And I love that you're sharing how you've dealt with it and your thoughts and feelings. What would you say are some of the biggest tips you could share with people about really just overcoming the part of not having the physical abilities that you used to or even for some people not looking the way you used to or standing tall the way you used to, whatever it is, are there things that have helped you to deal with that? Well, I think I've kind of already talked about it. It's really about believing in yourself, mm-hmm. knowing that your circumstances is, is not who you are or who you'll become. That's right. just your circumstance. That's just the situation that you're in. You're, you are who you are inside, and that's really the most important thing. Is who are you inside? It doesn't matter, you know. I mean, it may if you're if you were very very vain and you you know now you don't look the same way. But you have to realize that that's not the important thing in life. What's really important is what's in your heart, mm-hmm. not in your not in your head. You know, not not on the outside. Again, it's about looking, turning inward, and finding out who you really are, and believe in yourself, and you know who you who you are inside, not on the outside. You know, because our outer reality is really an illusion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't, you know, it really is. But what's inside is is real to me. That's mm-hmm. just how I believe. Right. And what what I have in my heart is so much more important than what I look like or what I'm. You know, what's in my outer how many what my material possessions are or anything in my outside life. And so, what I can if I can bring this. That, that inner radiance out 
and share that with other people, then I hope other people are going to radiate also. I hope that other people can feel that radiance inside themselves and know that that's really what's important, what's in your heart. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And you mentioned in your book, Yin Radiance. Can you explain to the audience what that means? That's actually a program that I started to develop before I had a stroke. Like I said at the very beginning, I'm a life coach for women. I focused really, really on women in the beginning because I was trying very hard because I was trying to find my own Yin Radiance, the, 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 the femininity inside of me. And it seems like I had to have my stroke to really get there. But I had already started trying to develop this program where it was taking a woman and saying, look, you are a female. You need to allow your femininity to come to emerge and, you know, to come out. And that's really what the Yin Radiance program was all about. It's just finding that Yin, that Yin make meaning the feminine. You know, the Yang, Yin and Yang, Yang is masculine, the Yin is feminine. And it doesn't even necessarily mean just women, because everybody has a feminine side to them, men right. also. And so it's, again, radiance could also act, actually also apply to men. It's about finding that yin, that, that balance of masculine and the feminine inside, you know. Because when you have that, that balance inside, when you have that unity, then you are a whole person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, that's inside, that then you can radiate that, that inner harmony out. And then, then our whole world, if everybody was able to do that in some way, we, got, we would be able to find that unity outside in the outside world too. Because whatever is, our outside world is a reflection of what our inside world is all about. Absolutely, absolutely. I love that. And I was really interested in, in that part of what you've shared and, and what you're talking about. I think that's very powerful. What was it that created the desire in you to write this book, and how did that evolve for you? Well, you know, because I'm already an author. I was an author three, three, three times already because I have three books before. Um, writing to me is a, it's my passion. It's one of my biggest passions. And I said, uh, you know, I figured, okay, I want I wanted, I wanted to be able to share my story with other people that are facing life trauma and, you know, trying to help other people. And the way I do it is through words. That's my best way. And so I decided to write the book. But then I thought, okay, well, my story is only one story, you know, and having one person having a stroke, okay, well, what about other people, oh, other kind of life traumas? So I started soliciting other people's stories, you know, people that had uh, other kinds of challenges. And I was able to get um, many other stories, and I included them in the book, each chapter is, you know, each chapter has a certain theme and then it has a certain story um, that uh, that it says associated with that theme. You know, I have cancer stories. I have somebody that had MS, somebody that had loss of a loved one, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, another person with a stroke. I had, you know, I mean, a lot of stories that, because there are so many life traumas. Everybody, everybody really, if you think about it, almost everybody in this world has some sort of life trauma. It doesn't have to be right. physical trauma like I had. It could be divorce. It could be. It could be anything. It could be big or small. But we all have trauma in our lives. And so my book, even though it's you know it's focused, the stories are more focused on the physical kind of illnesses. But the, the themes of each chapter are things that anybody could actually relate to because it's also if you're if you're on a personal journey, if you're if you're doing any kind of personal development in your life, 
the book can be, you, know, you can read this book and get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. That it. You know, it's not just for somebody with a physical trauma in their life. That makes sense. You mentioned shining and thriving. What does it look like to you when someone shines as a survivor, when they radiate? Somebody that's, that's really uplifting and look, you know, they, they, they show, they prove them to, to other people that they, they can get through it. You know, somebody that just, that just, no matter what, they don't let the circumstances get them down. They just go and go and go. They just keep trying. They keep living life. They don't stop. Stories of people that just, they don't give up no yeah. matter what. Mm-hmm. They just don't give up. Mm-hmm. And that's very powerful. That does, I believe, encourage and inspire others to know that they too can get through certain things. They too have should have hope. There's more ahead for all of us, and it always goes back to, as you said earlier, our attitude, how we look at it, what we do with it, and really just believing in that higher power and the purpose in our lives. Why are we here? Why are we still here after traumatic events and injuries and illness and that type of thing? What would you say as far as helping others to deal with a family member that has had a life change? You didn't mention if you have family close to you, a husband, children, whatever, but how do you think people can help someone who's dealing with an incident such as having a stroke or having a life-altering disease? Do you have tips and suggestions for the listeners? There's one whole chapter dedicated to the caregiver themselves, and I've right. got many stories. Yeah, and, and many stories are in that chapter of people, including my mom, that was my caregiver. You know, they have the same challenges because they have a family member who, all of a sudden, they have to care for, and their lives are turned upside down too. So they go through the same kind of process that the survivor goes through. You know, it's the denial. I mean, it really is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. They have to. They have to. Um, they have to start looking at life a little bit differently. You know, like if they're caring for somebody that is disabled or whatever, they have to look at that person as not not that they're disabled, not what that child that person can no, no longer do, but what can this person do? What what is it that this person can do? Right. You know, it's it's, it's like it's, and it's actually kind of just goes back to things that what anybody's supposed to be like. We're supposed to be grateful for the things that we have, not what we don't have. So if you, you look at the person that's been disabled or whatever, the person that you're taking care of, if you're a caregiver, then you look at this person in a totally different light. You know, you think, okay, what is it this person really, what's his gift or her gift now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What can she offer? What can he offer? And, and you know, because they, that person may not have been able to, I mean, it used to be, say, they used to jog five miles a day or whatever. Now they can barely even walk. So what do you do with them? You go do different things, like you go to the movies, or you take a walk out in nature, a walk or, you know, stroll, or uh, if you have to push them in a wheelchair. You find things that you can actually do with the person that they can do, you know, to make them feel better, and to make you feel better, too, you mm-hmm. know, knowing that you're helping this person, but in the way that they, they can, um, in the way that you can, in the way that you can help them. Mm-hmm. My mom, I really feel for my mom, because she's, she's 77 years old, so I should be t- taking care of her. And I'm living with her, and she has to work still because she's got to make ends meet. She's a university professor, and she's been, you know, taking care of her her own job, and she also takes care of me. Now it's not as bad because I'm able to do stuff now, but it used to be horrible. She had a horrible time, and, you know, and she would do everything she could for me. 
you know, everything she could possibly do. And it's very, very difficult. I'm, you know, I can I, I see it, you know, how it could be as a caregiver, how difficult it can be. Right. But, but she and I, we've got a very good relationship. And so we've been able to work. You know, we've actually been able to kind of go on a spiritual journey together. And, and this whole process has been a, a, a learning lesson for both of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, think about what kind of lessons that you're learning as a caregiver, too. Because you're learning lessons, too, of what, what, what's important in life. That's right. really important. What is important in life? Things change. Things mm-hmm. really change, you know, when you, this kind of something happens to somebody. Mm-hmm. You find out what's really important in life. Right, right. And I love that because I think that's important that for the caregiver also, there are blessings in those lessons that we have to face and deal with along the way. And that's the beauty in life is that there could be a lot of different tragedies and things that we struggle with or go through, but there's always something good that comes out of it, I believe. Yes, it's that silver lining. You know, right. there's always a silver lining to everything. And, and instead of looking at the negative of what's going on, kind of have to look at the positive. And I can't say that it's always easy to do that. You know, you get into ruts. You get into you get into that nosedive of emotions and, you know, oh, my gosh, what was me? And, I mean, I still, you know, sometimes I still get get go through it. But then I pick myself up, you know, and those those times are getting smaller, shorter and shorter. Mm-hmm. And I just have to, you have to pick yourself up and say, okay, there's a reason for this, and I've got to keep going forward and I'm not looking at the past. Right. That's one thing if we do too much of it. If we look at the past, look at the you know, um, look at the present moment and look at you know, the next next day. I mean the next step, you know, what is it I need to do for the next step? Mhm. Mhm. Yes. That is powerful and it definitely helps. I've been there too and I know that realizing that you just keep moving forward one day at a time, sometimes one step at a time. That's it. It's all that matters, and that keeps us focused instead of thinking, like you said, about the past or even worrying about the future, about what I might not achieve or might not overcome and those types of things. So it is so important to stay in the now, if you will. Yes, very. Can you share with the listeners how they can connect with you further and where they could get a copy of your book, Radiant Survivor? Sure. Go to Radiant Survivor. That's a blog. That's my that's my website. You can also contact me through then. I've got a contact me page that you can contact me through, and and also you can you can buy my book at Amazon or website. That's that'll be how you can contact me and get the book. Okay, and that's RadiantSurvivor.com. Yes. I just want to touch a little bit on the ideas and thoughts behind having a stroke. I know that a lot of people still are not extremely educated about strokes they feel that it's it only happens to older people or unhealthy people and since you're an ambassador with the stroke organization can you share a little bit with the listeners about having a stroke and how and why it might happen and that sometimes as you said there's not any clues or symptoms ahead of time and that's that's really true because there's so many different things that can cause a stroke but there is one, there is a, they've got a little process, procedure that you go through to see if somebody is having a stroke. And it's F-A-S-T. F for the face. If you see somebody's face drooping, A for the arm. If the arm, one of the arms looks like if you have them put both arms out, straight out, and if one of them is, you know, going lower than the other, if it's a weakness in an arm, F, the speech is slurred. Or, you know, the side of their mouth may be 
drooping or whatever. And if that's the case, then T means you need to you need to call um, 911 immediately. Um, there are stroke stroke does not know age. In fact, I was told that even in utero, an unborn baby can actually have a stroke. Mm. So it doesn't mean. And see, my stroke was caused by a, a hole in my heart. It allowed a small, very very small blood clot get passed through and go through into my brain. Mm. So, and the thing about the hole in your heart is that we are all born with a hole in our heart. But they use that, the um, hole usually closes by the time we're an infant. Mm-hmm. But 25% of us, at least in the United States, still have a hole in their heart, and you usually don't know that until you have a stroke or some kind of condition that causes, you know, you have a test, and then that's when you find out. So if you ever feel... Now, and I should have, have should have heeded the warning because I used to have anxiety and I would, I would get flutters in my heart and I never did pay attention because I thought it was just a panic attack. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It was it was because of the, the hole in my heart. If I had heeded that warning a lot before, maybe I could have had that test to see um, about my, you know, that hole in the heart and I may have had, I may not have had a stroke. So there are lots and lots of reasons, you know, the high blood pressure, high cholesterol, of course your eating habits, high stress. There's all kinds of reasons why a person may have a stroke. So you really have to just, you really have to take good care of yourself mm-hmm. in every way. And, you know, like for me, if, if you do ever feel anything in the heart at all, any kind of flutters, Go to your doctor and have them test it. Ask them to have, you know, talk to them about maybe having a hole in your heart. Because I, I would have never known that I would have, you know, had a stroke. I didn't know that I had a hole in my heart until I had that test done, but that was after I had my stroke. I think that's key what you mentioned to really make an effort to take care of our bodies, especially as we age. But to also be aware of what our body's feeling and telling us, because I think that's a lot of times what happens with people. We get so busy with life, and again, we're not centered, and we're not at a place of being at peace with who we are and what we're doing. We're, we think we're in control because we have all these things going on that we're doing, but we're not centered enough to actually feel our physical needs and feel what's going on that would allow us to say maybe there's a problem or an issue that we need to have checked out. That's very true. I mean, and it goes back to this whole thing about focusing more on your outer reality versus your inner reality. If we are focusing always on our outer reality, you know, our, our job, I mean, you have to focus, obviously, you have to focus on quite a bit on what's going on in the outside world because you've got to pay your bills. You've got to, you know, there are things that you have to do in life. Mm-hmm. But if we focus only on that and we don't focus on our in, uh, ourselves, that's when we forget about ourselves. That's when we get disconnected, you know, spiritually, physically, everything. And we don't pay attention to any symptoms or any kind of any kind of signals or whatever that our body is telling us. And that's when the, that's when disease starts. You know, that's when the disease starts showing because we are we're unfocused. We're not focusing on ourselves enough. You know, we should find that balance between our our inner reality and our outer reality. That way, we can always pay attention to any kind of signals that we get about, you know, any kind of illness or whatever might that might happen to us. Absolutely love it. I'm so excited to read your book, Radiant Survivor, and I thank you again for being on the show today, Erica. 
and for sharing well, a part you. of your story and for encouraging and inspiring others to be a radiant survivor in whatever area of their life because, as you said, we've all been through something. So thank you again. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I had a good time. Thanks.